Welcome to the Clam Bake! Welcome to the Clam Bake. It's a fresh take on a question all this time. If a woman is alone in the forest, will she still be undermined? It's a sorority of equality. It's a bonfire of a patriarchy. Come on, your hands, bring your moms, bring your dads. Come to the Clam Bake with me. It is the opposite of a sausage fest. I'm Angela Gallner. And I'm Lindsay Stidham. And we want to be better feminists. Dang it. So each week we interview different guests about their experiences, challenges, triumphs, and follies with feminism. Being human is tough and being a feminist is complicated, but our best resource is each other. So, so let's, let's get, get talking. talking. Welcome to the Climate Clam. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Lindsay and I are delirious today. We're a little delirious, a little slap happy, which is fine. Yeah, sometimes it's going to make for some the best conversation uh, all over the place stuff, but that's all right. Yeah, yeah. that was a great intro. Oh, well, oh thank, thank you, you. Thanks, thanks. thank you. I get self conscious about it every time we do it because I feel like it's cheesy, but I also feel like sometimes we're a little cheesy. We Don't are be. cheesy. <laughs> Patty Jenkins, director of Wonder oh, Woman, just said, "Embrace, embrace the cheese." Praise be, and it works for her, man. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I it's can't wait so to see good. It. It's so, so good. Um, anyway, quick clam check-in. How's your clam, Ange? Uh, my clam, sometimes uh, when my when my brain is going too fast, I get this feeling as though I can't see out of my peripheral vision. It's like my <laughs> eyes get locked in the forward position. Ange, are you okay? No. <laughs> no. Clearly. <laughs> but I can see out of my peripheral vision. It's just the feeling. It's just it's the, the feeling, feeling of, of but it doesn't feel like a migraine. It just feels like if anyone's taken Adderall without a prescription, it feels a little like that. Fun. Sounds no. like fun. No, it's not. Okay. But I'm good. Never but mind. I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Never mind. Uh, you can ask me how Oh, yeah. Clams. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Enough about me. How are you? My club's good. Um, I'm really entertained by this situation because we have guests on that – know us a little but like don't know us really well and they're looking at us like we're like crazy. we're crazy they're and about to get to know just how crazy we are <laughs> and now i like realize um when people come on the podcast that they must think we're super crazy but oh, I'm, yeah. I'm done with that that's it's good fine. it's better to be just crazy lean than, in lean it's better into to be it. crazy than normal the second part of the intro was better than the first <laughs> <laughs> i would like you to keep evaluating each yeah. each segment of the podcast yeah. please i once went on a date with the dude who pl- did a play-by-play evaluation of this podcast it was oh, a lot did you like it I think so. We did it for a while. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're listening, I hope you're still listening. Yeah. I don't have anything to say to you. I don't have much to say to you either, but it's okay. Anyway, um, we have an amazing guests today. Woo-woo! We have Jay Thames, amazing filmmaker, oh. and Tope slash Topi has created The Bitch List. You may have heard of it. It's an awesome list that comes out once a year. Uh, for representation in screenplays, pointing out screenplays that do a good job of representation. But I'll let you explain a little more exactly what it is. Sure, yeah. It started out being um, the best-liked Bechdel test passing screenplays um, in town or in the industry, whoever I can get to vote on it. Um, And the Bechdel test has three parts. Um, It has to have two characters for women who have names, and then they have to talk to each other, like have dialogue. And in that dialogue... They can not just talk about men. They need to talk about other stuff, like real women in everyday life. Sweet. It seems like such low low criteria, but it's incredible <laughs> how 
few scripts past this. Exactly. And yeah, it was, um, I saw a, a video by Nita Sarkissian um, of Feminist Frequency. Mm-hmm. And she was going over the Oscar winning screenplays and films that year. And most of them did not pass the Bechdel test at all. So this is what we're pushing forward as the best of the best, but not showing women as, you know, people who aren't 24-7 just fawning over their boyfriend or husband or brother or dad. Right, whose know, lives are, are bigger than the men in that happen to be in those lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're there just to support. God forbid we right. have our own agency. <laughs> like our own arc. It's pretty scary, though, Whoa. when we do. Look out. <laughs> Look out, world. Look out. Um, nasties coming for you. Yeah. It's such an amazing thing. It's uh, so amazing. How long ago did you create it? I think it's been four years now. Okay, cool. Yeah, learning about it, I wasn't even that aware of it until I saw the uh, Feminist Frequency video. And then, you know, I noticed in taking writing classes, too, the way um, instructors and other students, not just male stu- students, but even uh, women ones, would just totally gloss over female characters. Like, they were totally okay with them just being assistants or, you know, wives, girlfriends, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, like, even the women in my classes were okay with no female leads. Yeah. Because we're so used to it. Shocked. We yeah. are. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see, and I know it wasn't just Jessica Chastain who spoke out about it, and there's been a little bit of like, not backlash, but a little bit of conversation about the fact that the the beautiful white American was the one who got the attention for calling it out, but how she called out. Uh, she was a judge at Cannes this year. Yeah. And yeah. she called out yeah. the representation of women in those films. The one thing I really uh, took away from this experience is how the world views women from the female characters that I saw represented. And it was quite disturbing to me, to be honest. I do hope that when we um, include more female storytellers, we will have more of the women that I recognize in my day-to-day life. Um, Ones that are proactive, have their own agencies, um, um, don't just react to uh, the men around them. Have you seen any changes or, or movement since the time you started The Bitch List? I know you haven't had it around for that long, but... Right, yeah, no, um, a few screenplays have gotten optioned from the list before, like Glenn Bassner oh. got one from last year. Amazing. From awesome. So, you know, big, reputable company. Yeah. You know, I've had uh, certain other people reach out from big production companies, people want the file, so I try to put them in touch with the writers. So we've gotten, I guess the word is traction. Prize, pay attention, are starting to really pay attention more because they see the numbers at the box office. I mean, it's not just like, we want this, we want it, we want it, because we want it. It's like, look at the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording this after the first weekend uh, release of Wonder Woman, which did over $100 million at the box office. And I, if there's anything that's going to change history, I think it's this past weekend. I, I am, like, unbelievably excited, and I cried at the end. Uh, Patty, went, Patty Jenkins went to my alma mater, and I was just, like, so happy for her. It took her 13 years between, like, her first and second film and to get a That in itself makes me so goddamn and, furious like, because the amount of <laughs> white men who come out of these film festivals with their little indie films in our hand to these m- m- movies with these massive budgets. Uh, it's it's just not fair for that women have to wait so long I think, to get a second chance. Ugh, I got well, heated there. If there's anything that changed the game this weekend, just did. And yeah. I'm, I'm pretty freaking excited. Yeah. <laughs> My glam is dancing about it for sure. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dance, clam, dance. So, Toby, can you tell us a little bit more about 
the process of the list and how to submit and how the evaluations go down and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's actually much more simple than people think. Um, we just try to solicit votes and people just email in scripts that they have read if they are an industry professional. I mean, they're, I'm trying to refine the rules a little bit just because this past year we got a bunch of stuff that I couldn't you know, verify. And so I kind of had to cut out some votes because people were getting a little overzealous about mm. getting people that I could not confirm were in the industry or read professionally. Like I want, want people who know what they're looking for, not just passing tests, but, you know, yeah. real evaluators, readers, development people. So I'm going to keep an eye out for that more. But um, yeah, just asking people from different Facebook groups who I know and can verify work in the industry. And so yeah. right now the list is like, it's just you. You are running this like single-handedly. It's your own cause. Yeah, I just... Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I honestly don't read most of the scripts unless I know the people personally or have time after the fact. But these are just relying on other people's subjective and professional opinions like everything else in this town. Yeah, yeah. That's really it's still rad. amazing, though, that it's like just you, that you've created this thing that's gotten so much traction and is visibly already making a difference. <laughs> so young women writers out there listening, or old women writers, any anyone. Men even. Men even. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Write, people, anyone, anyone write some writer. write some Bechdel test passing scripts. Yes, and, and there and Bechdel test has its own website, so mm-hmm. you can see like specifically the criteria and um, what qualifies your script as a Bechdel test passing script. If you need to see uh, the rules specifically, um, yeah, we also have Jay here today. Yes, I want, I want Jay to go ahead and introduce himself. So he feels part of the conversation, too. <laughs> I'm totally part of it. <laughs> this is awesome. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, of course. you're welcome. So, fire away. Then tell us your background in filmmaking a little sure. bit. And also, the current. tell us a little bit of the breakdown of the current film that you're working on, which does an amazing job of representation. But we can get more into that after you introduce it. Sure. <laughs> My name is Jay Thames. I am uh, a writer-producer. I live here in L.A. And um, I was very fortunate to meet Lindsay recently. Yeah. Well, we only have known each other for like a, a month. month or so, right? Yeah, yeah. Met you through a referral from my wife on a job board, I believe. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yes, yeah. Um, the experience has been incredible. Obviously, Lindsay is like <laughs> a guru. She's a major guru at whatever she does. She's, <laughs> I've read her scripts and it's, it's I mean, excellent would be oh, a, thank a, you. A, a solid way to describe it. This is the Mutual Pitch Fest uh, podcast episode. We, I want to be, you know, honest about how we know each other and also yeah. about the, the prospects of like, bigger things. So um, I'm totally interested in that, obviously, and I, and I think that that's in process. But And then you introduced me to Angela. Yes. This is the first time we've met in person. It is. Yes. yes. And Angela is uh, obviously extremely talented in her own right, so... I mean, great pairing. Congrats <laughs> to you two. We are working. Our marriage is going really well. Yeah, <laughs> it's our successful marriage. Yeah, in life. it's a really su- it's a successful relationship. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's obvious. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you guys are noticeable. So, so um, the main the main thing that we work on, Lindsay, at least at this juncture, is a, a film I wrote called Texas City, which is. Uh, the true story of the largest, deadliest man-made disaster in U.S. history. It took place on April 
1947. My grandfather was a part of this disaster. And when I was a kid, I used to just really harangue him about telling me the story over and over again because I was fascinated with stories, one. And secondly, it was the only time I ever saw him get emotional really about anything. And he was a World War II vet and saw some pretty horrific things in, in the Japanese theater at World War II. And, you know, he said nothing compared to what he went through mm. on that day in Texas City. Down to the office that morning and noticed out the window this huge column of orange smoke, really an orange smoke coming from down at the docks. After a few minutes, well, I heard the detonation. Children, Marianne and Johnny were playing dominoes in our house, which was about four miles from the explosion. And it blew in the ceiling, blew in all of our windows that far away. I told my wife and children to get in the car and go to Houston immediately, and I'd stay there. And everything was chaos for after the explosion, people running in every direction. One of the most frightful sights was pickup truck came uploaded about four or five men that were all dead. So that always really compelled me as my career path sort of started to define itself in a more distinctive way. And for people who don't know what happened at Texas City, if you could give us a brief rundown. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, so basically it was uh, – there was – two f large French shipping freighters called the Grand Camp and the High Flyer that were loaded with ammonium nitrate, which is a fertilizer, but also it's extremely unstable. It's an, explo it's an explosive um, element. And there was a fire on the Grand Camp and, and 2,200 tons of ammonium nitrate blew up. It was Ma Monsanto manufactured ammonium nitrate. And it was nothing like anybody had ever seen before. It was the largest explosion ever on U.S. soil. And it was obviously the largest and deadliest man-made disaster. Over 600 people died. 3,000 people were injured. You know, a lot of people were never seen or heard from again because they were just completely... They were completely vaporized, I guess Ugh. would be the word, in the explosion. And then what the ensuing um, tragedy was just kind of like a litany of disaster movie devices that were all real, which mm -hmm. was there was a 8.0 earthquake and they felt the explosion and, you know, the, the Richter scale measured it in Denver, which is 1,500 miles away. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. that's insane. It was, it was, it was, it was, um, and it was nuclear avoidable. Size. It was too. totally avoidable. Yeah. It was fully avoidable. I mean, they were, you know, obviously businesses are in the, um, in the arena of turning a profit and that was yep. part of the decision making in this specific case. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Anyway, very everyday people had to kind of turn into, into heroes that day to save each other and try and save the town. And my grandfather was part of that. So, I mean, it's, it couldn't be more cinematic. Obviously, like I said, there's so many components of a tidal wave and this looming <laughs> yeah. toxic cloud that was killing people and fires. And, you know, there was also four or five tons of small munitions on the ship. So it was like a, bullets were going off everywhere. I mean, it was just kind of insane, like a perfect storm, which was... It couldn't have been really set up in any more of a catastrophic way. So um, I started working on this project literally, like I say, 
to some to people that talked to me when I was six, six years old. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was either going to play pro basketball, mm-hmm. <laughs> which didn't happen. I was shocked by that. Rats. Rats. <laughs> Fudge. <laughs> and uh, or make movies. Yeah. yeah. So obviously that's what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. this is this is this will be the most important movie I ever make. Not to 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 belittle the existence of anything else I work on, but this is obviously the most personal and I think the yeah. and I yeah. think the most relatable. Well, amazingly, even though it's like such a tragic story, the script is an unbelievably inspiring read and I feel like that is a tribute to some of the characters you have in the script. Do you want to tell us a bit about some of the characters that really uh, advocate representation that are like not normally seen on screen, and why you, why that was important to you in um, writing the project. Well, yeah, obviously, I mean to to like backtrack why we're why we're all sitting here. That I mean the fact that what you guys said before, I was like thinking to myself, you know, that the, the, there's a test that has to be applied <laughs> to literary property to find out if women are accurately represented is patently absurd. I mean, you yeah. know, like I think that it's so long overdue and uh-huh. so and the and thus far been really poorly managed by the ones who are pulling the trigger, you know. So uh obviously I talked to a lot of people and I did a lot of research and I've spent a ton of time developing this. And what is clear what was clear to me from the beginning and it's clear to me now and even more so now is that men were not the only people that were involved in this tragedy mm-hmm. and or in life. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> wow. You know, and not only w- was it important to accurately represent women accurately, um, but more than just a Caucasian female, more than just an African-American female, more than just a Hispanic or Latina female. I mean, there's – this was a very – very true melting pot of the South, and there were like the population of the planet slightly more women than men, mm-hmm. and they were heroes as well. And in the script, from the very jump, I knew that obviously my grandfather, who was a Caucasian male, was going to be a major part of it because he's the, the touchstone to the story. Mm-hmm. But he often spoke of people of both genders, and mm-hmm. he talked about a very ethnically diverse group of people that bonded together. So it was clear there was never a question or a doubt or any sort of speculation, like whether there was going to be an accurate representation of women in the screenplay. It Mm -hmm. just happened that way because that's the way it was and that's the way it is. So um, I think that we've done a really good job of it. And obviously we were a part of the pitch list that, um, when Tope saw the screenplay, I guess it was sent to her. I, I can't remember how it was sent to you, but you know, we we <laughs> clearly passed the Bechdel test, and and we made we were honored to make the list a couple of years ago, and that really obviously was some more verification and more validation for the fact that even if you're making sort of a what some people might say a really testosterone driven mm-hmm. big di- historical disaster movie that it's not just white males running mm-hmm. around saving the planet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting how like in times of crisis uh the the playing field gets leveled because in that moment everyone has to be equal in order to survive. Uh and there's every, every all of the the societal and cultural implications that are put on people are stripped away because 
it's just lives. Yeah. Um, Topi, why is representation important to you personally? Why has this become a personal cause that you are flying a flag for every every day? <laughs> yeah, well, um, let's start. I just thought about women in general, but then I, you know, I realized I grew up as a, as a woman of color, and then when I watch characters who look at me, you know, they're like, "Yes, women, nail <laughs> tech women, <laughs> nothing that really." Makes me go, oh, I mean, not to diminish, you know, the other stuff, but it's just very uh, stereotypical or only portrayed from (laughs) certain uh, certain angles and perspectives, you know, and I don't feel like that's fairly so, you know, I've been advocating more so (laughs) for, uh, you know, for people of color, women of color as well, and just, you know, our our gender. Yeah. Yeah, which is very important. Yeah. Especially with all of the whitewashing bullshit that has gone on forever but especially in this past year which is insane to me because it's 2017 and Mm -hmm. these things have repeatedly happened over and over and over again and it's like when will you get it through your idiot skulls like or or read the news or read yeah so many people are talking about it. it seems obvious but i just feel like these you know decision makers are so far removed from normal people, their their viewership. Yeah. Yeah. Everyday people that they just don't realize that it's not just a slight, it's just I don't know. <laughs> it's beyond reprehensible. And, you know, and white people and white men too are out there also saying, you know, excuse us, take a look at this, you know. Yeah. Everyone is aware of it. Yeah. Not just, you know, the people who are, you know, being um, unfairly portrayed. Yeah, because everyone benefits from hearing stories that bridge racial, economic, gender, sexuality boundaries. We can't just keep hearing the same stories about the same white people over and over again. Anyone has access to so many different people that can review and analyze and tell them their blind spots. Do you guys think that we are making any progress in Hollywood with representation? And do you have some examples of things that I do. Do you make you excited and happy of where things are going? I think that the that progress is happening. I mean, it's clear that Topi was very, like, she was on this major bandwagon last year, which was the Oscar So White. You know, yeah. She made that very oh, abundantly clear to me, uh, which, I mean, you know, it was made abundantly clear to me by hundreds and thousands of people. But not, yeah. not that I needed any, any uh, clarity, but when... That happened. What has unfolded since, I think, you know, shows that at least people are are willing to open up and recognize mm-hmm. other movies. I mean, Moonlight won the best, best right? Won best, yeah. best, best picture yeah. this year, and it was a movie about a, you know a biopic about an African, a gay African American man. Yeah. Um, which maybe two or three years ago, I don't know if that would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So that so I mean that's some progress. I mean you get you have to and there was I mean obviously huge players involved with that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean very significant you know um sort of Oscar standards if you will. So that's you know that's good news. Yeah, also like our entire country is shifting of of in ways that we're going to look. I mean in a few years white people will not be the majority in America. So it's like 
if you want to make money, you got to get with the program. Like, <laughs> so it's just so simple. Yeah. It just seems so simple, but. It's within this generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's 2040. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Can't come soon enough, in my opinion. I agree. <laughs> I like, agree. Around, or I think that a lot of people who are the big money traditionally mm-hmm. also have an insert group of friends who, I hate to say it, most of the time look like them. Yeah. Sure. Even when the rest of the city is completely different than mm-hmm. the rest of the country, state, world, etc. It's just like they're wearing blinders mm-hmm. to people of the same race or socioeconomic status when that doesn't benefit anybody. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Do you guys think we'll ever get to a point where we take this label off uh, female? Like we'll put the qualifier female in front of things. Like this is a female-driven comedy. You are a female director. Do you think we'll get to the point in this town where that's not a thing? We're just directors. We're just mm-hmm. we just made a comedy about people. I mean, I see because <laughs> they don't say male. Dri- that's not a label <laughs> that is used. Dog-driven peace, everybody. Dog-driven. <laughs> now, that's a label I would like to see on yeah. more films. Dog-driven. I'll watch any please. dog movie. Yeah. I won't lie. Any dog movie, I'm yeah. there. <laughs> but, yeah, we need more, um, you know, just equalizers, even though I feel like every day we see the numbers and go, yeah, that was run by, or majority, da-da-da-da-da, or collaborative effort, or at least 50-50 gender parity, and that kicked ass mm-hmm. narratively and financially like i think we have enough of that evidence but it's still being ignored yeah yeah, yeah. I ju- even just with our own with our own film that we've been trying to get off the ground for a while now like i remember one of the first um like submissions they were like oh well we already have a, a female driven comedy this year on our slate and i was like yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're like we checked that box, so yeah. we're, we're full up here. No How more male driven comedies. Do no you more have? lady projects yeah. in this house. Yeah. We should get to the point where we just submit material with no names on it. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. and then and then people wouldn't be able to just say, "Oh, this was written by X." Right. And I'm going to think why. It's right. All, you know, it's automatically uh, kind of the dis- disposition of this read. Bias. Yeah. 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 Jay, as the white man in the room, when you see a movie, I'm the white guy in the room. You, yeah. <laughs> uh, when you see a movie like Bridesmaids, which did great at the box office movies, and is very movies. funny and has very, very funny, funny women in it, yep. but hey, we are talking about like sometimes qualifying things. You do play to your audience. You play to who it's made for. But would, and so that was very specifically advertised towards women. I, I would say it was. Would you? How do you feel about movies like that? You're like, oh well, that's not for me. Or do you have an opinion like either way when things like that come out? It's funny because that was a, I went to a screening of that movie mm-hmm. with, um, you know, like, I guess there was some of the filmmakers there or whatever, and uh, it was packed, and I laughed my ass off. And uh, it was definitely a movie for me, and it was for a movie for everybody in that theater. And I think it was a movie for obviously a lot of people paying customers because it, it was very successful. And um, that was never uh, part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. That's you great. Know, it was ne- that was never a uh, so all you white guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, let's talk about if this was a movie for you. You know, I think that it was. Um, it was it was just a well crafted story that mm-hmm. was very well you know that the the it was a emotionally evocative and the laughs were coming out of the characters so mm-hmm. and those situations so um it it doesn't matter if I respond like there, I respond to entertainment 
um, like anyone else, which is there's people that I really want to watch and and, and storytellers and filmmakers that I will see if, if even if they've made mm-hmm. a movie like Kundun or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or something very obscure or mm-hmm. strange or niche, if you will. And there's other things that don't I don't initially spark to, and that's both from the from both sides of the aisle, if you will. Like, right. I'm not the first guy in line for the comic book movies. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and but there was there's you know obviously a bunch of people that disagree with me. Mm-hmm. Why do you guys think Hollywood does love to like have these boxes and be like, we will check this box, this box. You are in this box. You're this type of writer. You're this type of actor. Why? Why do you think we are this like boxed community? <laughs> yeah, variety is somewhat threatening mm-hmm. to the status quo because you know, perhaps because of their upbringing. Um, also, you know, people just aren't used to uh, certain types of others or what they will call others because they haven't stepped into other communities or allowed themselves to be friends with um, people who make them feel uncomfortable, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so whenever... So you think it's more about discomfort than it is just about ease of use? Um, laziness. I would translate ease of use to laziness sometimes okay. when people use certain devices for characters. You know, yeah. Not just me saying it, but I've seen a lot of people say, that's just lazy. Right. You can make your character better, stronger, not just because of rape. You know, right. For instance, mm-hmm. right. that's like a big argument. That's a huge, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, there's always <laughs> this whole mantra of you know, step out of your comfort zone. It's mm-hmm. better for you. But I don't think it is applied in terms of material that we see in the entertainment industry in America more so. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe other places are a little bit better at it. But here I am generalizing for what I see the majority is, is that, yeah, people will feel threatened by someone with conviction, strength, or power that they're not used to seeing that way, that they're used to seeing as, you know, submissive, compliant, mm-hmm. following, you know, mm-hmm. backup, supporting. What's been kind of interesting to me uh, in Lindsay and I, we've talked a little bit about our film Super Slut on, on the podcast and who decides to auction off her virginity to get back at her cheating ex-boyfriend and it becomes sort of an exploration of uh, campus sexual assault. And it's been interesting because in this time of us wanting to be very aware of women and representation and uh, power status, we have wrote and we've tried to write a protagonist who is flawed and um, isn't as empowered as maybe you would like to see a woman on screen because that's been, I know, my experience as being a woman growing up. Like, there are point there are points times in my life where I wasn't empowered and where I was making choices that were very harmful and um, a lot stupider than I was. And I, like I, as much as I, I want to see empowered women on the screen, I also want to see women who are able to like make stupid decisions and be fully human yeah. and uh, not act out of a place of power all the time because that also isn't human and it's not fair to put that on every female character or like every black character or every Asian character or every gay character. Ideally, moving forward, we can we can open a landscape where everyone, every type of person gets to have a fully human, gets to make complicated. Mistakes. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> like it's a just, human does. <laughs> it's been interesting coming across people who are are worried that our protagonist isn't empowered enough. I mean, it's it's cool. 
it's cool yeah. that there is but awareness there. Simultaneously, we are playing with the dichotomy of when you take charge of your sexuality as a woman, you're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Like, you still are paying for it uh, right now. Like, that is maybe the scariest thing. When a woman is fully empowered and fully comfortable in her sexuality, that's a problem in this country still for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she doesn't – she can't be fully empowered literally because of the story in mm-hmm. my eyes. Yeah. It's impossible for her to be. Yeah. But – um you know, yeah, yeah. A similar story like that. You know, a, a guy character wouldn't go through all that. He wouldn't have to. Right. And, and yeah. 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 You just kind of say, oh, well, that was his journey. Huh. <laughs> How interesting. I relate to it because it was human. <laughs> Amazingly, you guys, Wonder Woman got to make mistakes. It was pretty cool. Oh, oh I haven't seen it yet. I can't she wait. gets to make some mistakes and she's a superhero. <laughs> so I was reading an interview with Patty Jenkins and she was like, I, I really wanted to direct this um, like it was a story for humans, not a story for women. And I thought yeah. that was really cool. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't say whether that was achieved. But Yeah, um, I, I think it definitely was. But uh, there's a couple of reviews uh, from male reviewers that have circulated about particular particular lines Where in the they film. There, I don't want to give away too much because not everybody in this room has seen it, but um, there's a line in the film where she talks about men are just valuable for reproduction and not, <laughs> not, not for pleasure. And she got ripped a new asshole from a couple of male reviewers. And then cool. now there's like all these like uh, there's these counter arguments and everybody's been calling out these reviewers and it's been trending on Twitter. And but blah, how blah, many blah, times blah. have we heard that from women, at least in our lifetimes, <laughs> like thousands of times? I mean, I'm not saying that's not an, an original line, but maybe. Yeah. Yeah. original line for this but it's certainly true yeah in some capacity at least for the i'm assuming for the character as well i haven't seen it but and doesn't she come from why a would planet you get into where trouble? why would you get into trouble for saying that i mean why would people take offense to that uh some male reviewers did i think the bigger question is why insulting insulting They're them why are they, they, are they scared i mean is it scary to think that <laughs> yeah. or is it maybe threatening it's maybe you think about how they think about women like that <laughs> so when the table rough turned, tough right i mean that's right. like uh, sorry guys move on yeah you know, that's like get, get over it she said something great about being earnest and about being truthful and sincere Totally. And that to me is that to me is the the nature of cutting through mm-hmm. some of the emotional sort of uh, barriers that we face when we're thinking of and or, or looking or watching a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and she was I'm, I like I don't I'm not good at Twitter. You know, I'm, I'm not, not either. I'm not good <laughs> at it. But that was something I retweeted and liked, and I think tried to do it like four or five more times because yeah. that's the nature of I, that's the nature of Super Slut. Yeah, that's the nature of Texas City. Yeah, you know that's the nature of the Haymarket Affair, yeah. which is one of Tope's scripts and her projects. Yeah, I feel like that's why we do this is to. Um, find truth and to represent it uh, on screen, hopefully, and make people feel something. At least that's why I still totally yeah. still do this. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I want people crying. I want people screaming. I want people gripping the hand, the, you know, the, the hand rests. I want mm-hmm. people laughing their ass off. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be unattached and disaffected, that's like a great way to go into a Hollywood party, but it's not, <laughs> it's not a great way to, to sit watch and a watch a movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 absolutely. Um, circling 100%. back to Texas City, Jay, why do you think that this story has been so buried in history that so few people know about it? 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, I had no idea about this no, story. No, I mean, no, when Lindsay no. first told it to me, I was blown away that I never heard about it. And then, yeah. and then reading more and more about it, I was like, holy shit. Like, how has this been erased? It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, I hear that all the time. And, and, um, I think it's a, a multitude of things. I don't think it's like one large nefarious act. You mm -hmm. know, I think it's a, it's a multitude of, we're coming out of World War II, which was to that point, you know, one, one of the worst periods as mm -hmm. far as loss of life that we'd ever seen. Um, and so tragedy was just the farthest thing from the press's idea of news. Right. That was one aspect of it, I think. And also because it was related to World War II, mm -hmm. that didn't help that disposition. Right. And then you deal with the fact that you're, it's Monsanto. It's a massive corporation, even in that time. Well, I was going to ask how much that might have played. I think things. it played a significant role. Yeah. And, I, and I think that the, obviously this was the event that spurred the first class action suit ever. Mm -hmm. um, it's not really advantageous for you know, Monsanto and or the government who were, they were both found complicit to, to have this be really popular and widespread news. Right. Um, but it's funny because the, there was an article about us in Texas monthly recently by a, a journalist named Megan Hicks, who's amazing. And, um, she said, if this happened today, it would be news for like a year. Yeah. Yeah. It would be, there would still be people on the ground there. Oh yeah. Reporting about, you know, they're, 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 they're still trying to recover people. They're still trying to rescue people. They're still trying to recover bodies. There's, you know, still fires that mm -hmm. are, that are, that are, you know, running unchecked and so on and so forth. So, um, it was a different time. Um, what would your guys' top three tips be to content creators to make a better effort with representation? I'd say I begin with, uh, you know, if you're a writer or reader, is that the character descriptions are very important. You know, I guess in writing class they say, you know, describe something that an actor or actress or whoever would want to play. But I think that um, you should, of course, not just address the superficial, but what, you know, a little more about what's going on in the characters' lives, because that sets a whole tone for that person in the rest of the story. And yeah, not just write stereotypical characters for race or gender from what you've been growing up, but maybe challenge yourself to, you know, put different kinds of people in, in different shoes that we don't always see. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe thirdly, yeah, get people from those backgrounds to read those characters for you and tell you how you could make them better because they would know best because they've been living it their whole lives. Right. Yeah. Look at that. A ask ask to listen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's it's so so simple and so obvious, but I feel like there's a, a fear in doing so or or it comes back to that laziness thing again, right? Like it's it's maybe oh. hard or vulnerable. Ooh. There's the, <laughs> we have a pup in the room again. <laughs> cute My little, favorite. A cute little puppy. Um <laughs> But taking taking the time to take the extra steps to make sure that, that things ring true and full. Right, because we don't have any excuses with the internet of, I no. can't find, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's out there. They're out there, whoever you need to improve yourself with. Yeah. There's no reason. I could see it could be scary to be like, I am a white person who is adding a character that is not my experience and then having, and then asking somebody that that is their experience I mean, can you speak to that of being like, well, it's better to have asked than and tried than to 
have have not. Because <laughs> yeah, at least you cover your own ass. You didn't bother, and people come and crack down on you. And say, well, you should have known. Why didn't you know? Why didn't you ask? You'd be like, but I did. Yeah. <laughs> no one's perfect, you know. So that's a much better explanation than I think people get a lot of backlash for when they defend their whitewashing, when they defend their sexism and racism. Yeah. With, oh, well, you know, it's just the way it is, and mm-hmm. that's what we thought would make us money. It's kind of like bullshit, dude, or whoever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, uh, I mean, white guys are probably more often than anybody getting opportunities to write historic screenplays. And it's like, you know, you wouldn't go write that historic screenplay without doing your research and trying to talk to anybody who's not still alive, who, like, lived that or... Um, making sure you're trying to get it right, but yeah. I'm a white guy. I did that. Yeah. Yeah. I talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. And they find you all the time. Yes, they do. (laughs) Thanks to you, too. Yeah, yeah. They do. That's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I I mean, if I were ever going to write something that I didn't live, I would want to try and talk to somebody who lived it. Listen. That's, I mean, Angela, you said that. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. You just have to listen. You have to listen and you have to look and you have to, you know, writing is a solitary job. And you tend to get kind of in the bubble. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I, I, I'm writing, you know, time like ceases to exist and I get w- way locked into these, you know, it's, a, it's like a, a great pass to be crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you should also, you know, allow that craziness to, you know, be fully representative of, of real life. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of, like Tope said, a lot of writers are just, they're so you know, only portraying their experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that's uh, valuable, but, you know, there's obviously, there's more people they're crossing paths with that that are not being represented. Definitely. What are some of your tips, Jay, um, to to be better represented? Well, that would definitely, I mean, like Angela said, you got to listen. You have to listen and look around and pay attention. You know, you can't, everybody can't be exactly like you are unless you're legitimately trying to speak to only one portion of an audience and you just help, you know, mm-hmm. truth be damned, screw the rest, <laughs> you know, that, and, and I suppose there's some value in that, but that's not the way that, you know, that's not the way the industry is moving just as a FYI to everybody. Yeah. And, um, open-minded, you know, you have to learn. Like I'm, I'm constantly learning. I'm le- I've learned in this while sitting at this table from you two, how to better listen to certain discussion points, mm-hmm. better to better discuss certain listening points. And frankly, if you're not learning, then you're just stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's like rule number one of being an artist of any form. I think right, like keep learning, always keep learning. Being yeah. curious, listening, asking questions. Yeah. It's important. Yeah, if you want any, <laughs> any industry to be progressive yeah. and forward. Yeah, and not stagnant. So, I mean, you're okay with being stagnant and making less money. People should feel more pressure. They should f- be more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They should get out there further. I mean, if there is a 100-foot tightrope, they should be 50 feet out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, so that is in life, like the bottom line, you, you will be a better person the more mm-hmm. uncomfortable you can make yourself. Mm-hmm. Comfort doesn't breed change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comfort doesn't welcome new opinions. Mm-hmm. And comfort is not the way to go in art. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Great art is not, oh, that's so comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I think, first of all, artist and art is a term used way too liberally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're really set out to kind of evoke emotion from people, then I just don't think comfort is a way to go. So you yeah. walk into a museum, you're not looking for comfort art. You want something to provoke you, to make you have feelings, to make you go, um, I'm uncomfortable. It's like save the comfort art for hotel lobbies. Uh, exactly. That's what <laughs> your entire life to be. Then yeah. So be it. But Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess as long as we say, I can't write that because that's not my experience, then that we're going to just have more of the same and like... You know, not every screenplay, hopefully, is just going to serve your id and ego and be right. a reflection of you. So I like or maybe f- one or two of them, but hopefully not all of them. You know, or there are there are ways to, like, enrich the experience, right? Like, like I probably wouldn't I, – I wouldn't – if I wanted to write a story about a, a, a young gay Muslim man, I would find a writing partner that was a young gay Muslim man. I'm just shocked at even television shows who have, you know, an ethnic character, but no one on their writing staff that even quasi reflects one of those characters to say that person wouldn't do that. Right. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So it really shows when it comes out on screen. It's like you can't just have a room full of your friends back you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's cool. Well, that's okay. Let's, let's run that because then you get slapped in the face with it later sometimes. Mm-hmm. But well, people just don't care enough about their own self-preservation. Yeah. 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 This has been so fun to talk representation with you guys. I know. I I'm, I'm, I'm feel very um, it, contemplative. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. likewise. It's great to yeah. listen to ideas. And, yeah, it changes every day with the more examples we get of what to do and what not to do. Absolutely. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. And it's like, you know, when you're open to it, then there's hundreds of thousands of more stories as well, you know, like, if you're like not just thinking your own experience and additional experiences, there's you're like, oh man, there's untold history. We talked about untold, untold history mm-hmm. today, and it's, entire societies I feel like have not been represented on screen yet. So it's inspiring to be like, oh man, there's so many stories, so out many there. stories. <laughs> Into the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. snow. <laughs> Real quick before we wrap up the 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 film or TV show that's made you most excited about working in the industry lately? That's a tough one. I want to go first, James. You go. So much uh, content right now. <laughs> so much content. You go. Yeah, because I'm just going to kick it back to Moonlight. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's one affirmation that a lot of people were thinking the same thing that will better us all. Mm-hmm. And I showed through the Academy votes and general viewers and you know entertainment entertainment consumers like myself mm-hmm. yeah it's gorgeous i love Ugh, the, yeah. i love the last scene it's my favorite thing of the whole film is the final scene yeah oh, yeah uh how about you jay show or or film yeah I mean, either I mean, one yeah i mean i would rather you know like that's a trappy question bigger than that you mm-hmm. know to me it's more about the exact reason why we're sitting here is mm-hmm. the, the the forward momentum being more representative, more mm-hmm. diverse, mm-hmm. and the forward momentum being that I know I'll be able to find something that 
that looks nothing like me and is nothing like my experience and still be moved by it. Mm-hmm. And that those things are getting more attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess that's the really long-winded non-answer. I'll take it. But yeah. it's definitely <laughs> why I'm here and I support you mm-hmm. and I support Lindsay and I support this because it's real, man. And it's like, it's the way it's going. And you guys are, you shouldn't be ahead of the curve. You should be, you know, part of the absolute standard pace of things, but you're ahead of the curve and then mm-hmm. everyone else is catching up. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we can we'll help. take it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can make we can. other people's work. Like yep. anything that stands out, like I'm happy to share it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, people who approach me sincerely and not just out to like <laughs> yeah. try to sell something for X amount of dollars. I'm like, right. if you have a good story and you know, it is your life's work and you're showing something that's never seen please tell me about it. Mm-hmm. I would be happy to tell other people about it. Right. Because, yeah. uh, I think you never no, know. How, how do they do that? Who knows? Yeah. Who? How do people find I, you? <laughs> I encourage people to, to tweet at, uh, you know, um, it's B-I-A-T-C-H-P-A-C-K on Twitter. You know, I'm always happy to glance at log lines there. I can't legally read everything, um, but I'm happy to just help people get it out into the public sphere. So someone who might be paying attention can you know, take a look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pitches or just, you know, create, if people create other hashtags to try to point to each other and yeah. what we believe in that can help everyone move along with the curve or mm-hmm. the wave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at Biatch Pack. Biatch on Twitter. Pack. Yeah. And it's like, bit. and it's like a great follow to discover new things too. It's like you do a great yeah. job curating your Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing and sharing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This has been awesome. This do you been want great. Do you want to say your favorite inspiring thing? Uh, the Netflix show Chewing Gum. Oh, yeah. she's a so genius. Good. I'm also so inspired by her too because she's a theater. She's a theater artist. Mm-hmm. You know, she wrote this as like I think it was a one woman show, and then it became a television show. And she's hysteric. I mean, she's hysterical. It totally slipped my mind, but I was completely obsessed with it when I oh was uh, watching. It. Now I'm you know it's waiting really more good. episodes. I know. But it's, it's a so good one. Good. I watched it all twice, and it goes right. so fast. But I mean, yeah, she's the, she's a maniac. It's awesome. The, the, the yeah. Pacing, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, you know, she's a. Uh, a black British woman mm-hmm. and her sexuality yeah. know, is pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. And I love to, I love the way that it approaches race. And I, I wonder too, if that has something to do with being in Britain where the politics might be a little bit different, right. but um, she does her, her comedy about race is really poignant, but it manages to always be comedy. Um, I, I've just never seen race tackled in that way before Lindsay <laughs> I gotta go Wonder Woman you guys I just saw it and it just it was just great and um I just feel like Patty Jenkins success is so well deserved and she came and spoke to my film class as she, like oh. right after she made Monster so um I just feel excited for her victory and uh you know she talked about Monster was so low budget, even though she had hugely famous people in it. And it was a lunatic of an idea to make something about, um, you know, a serial killer and to make an audience feel sympathy for a serial killer. But the biggest thing she said that has stuck with me for 13 years, I heard her speak 13 years ago in person, is that like, you just don't know until you ask and you just like got to keep asking. And she was like, I was not going to release the movie without the song Don't Stop Believing in the Roller Rink. And I was going to ask until I got the song and I did. And she was like, I wasn't going to put the movie out until I had the freaking song. 
I love that. And so it's like, it's yeah. So you just, if you're passionate about something, it's worth uh, uncomfortable fighting for it mm-hmm. and making people uncomfortable for mm-hmm. sure. Not that not movie is so anywhere. uncomfortable and so good. Go back and watch it if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her yeah. victory is our victory. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's victory, not just women's. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I do. Um, this has been great. Thanks for listening, Clams. Yeah. And reach out if you want to talk to us on yeah. social media or elsewhere. Clams of the world. Clams yeah. of the world. Clams of the world. Thanks yeah. for listening. Welcome to the clam bake. It's the opposite of a sausage fest. Just a couple of vaginas talking. What's a creative podcast network?